0: Welcome back to the Kayla Ambrose Show. I'm your host and your travel guide to the other side, Kayla Ambrose. I love our chats each week as we talk about spiritual topics. I am first and foremost a wisdom teacher, and I love to share the esoteric wisdom teachings from the ancient mystery schools and to talk about spiritual, metaphysical, and sometimes paranormal topics as well. Throughout this journey, I'm going to cover a lot of different topics, But sometimes I like to sidebar into things that are not what we would label as first spiritual, but I do believe that everything in the world has a spiritual component to it. So in essence, no matter what you discuss, you can find the spiritual or the magical meaning deep within. And I think it's important to broaden our understanding of things in this way to get that everything has a reason, everything has meaning, everything flows and is affected by our intentions. And so the more we grow spiritually, the more we begin to understand that everything we do can be done with that vibration of wanting highest and best for all involved, of wanting divine order, divine wisdom, and divine guidance. So, it's important we think about that in every aspect. In my work as a wisdom teacher, I teach lots of courses online at my website, exploreyourspirit.com. And I write books talking about these topics, but I also talk and teach about a lot of other things. Intuitive interior design is one. I love to help people decorate their homes and to make their homes more of a sanctuary more of a place that's in tune with their energy and the energy of everyone else who's living in the home and the energy of the home itself. It has a vibe, a a feeling and colors that it wants to reflect as well, as well as a certain type of style. So I love working one-on-one with clients like this and teaching others how to raise their intuition where they can decorate their homes in this way. And I participate in an international color group that helps pick colors for the future, which is fascinating to tap ahead into the future and be in this group think tank of people to see what is the world going to feel like and be focused on in the future and to help pick the colors that will resonate and identify with that time. It's interesting as it taps into the global consciousness and what is going on with the world and where we're headed. I also have a lot of clients that are in business. Some work for large corporations. Some are entrepreneurs with their own small businesses. Some are researchers at universities. I have a really varied type and group of clients in just about every kind of field you can think of. And some of them see me just for my futurist abilities ability to see trends and what's coming in the future, what's changing, what's going to be big uh, and hot and popular, uh, so that they can kind of get a jump on what they're doing with their businesses and plan accordingly. It's fascinating to see how major corporations plan for this and how smaller businesses do, because smaller businesses, if they're in touch with this, are much more agile and able to right the ship and move things around and adjust when the economy or something on a large scale changes. Those are the businesses that really uh, make it during tough times and then are able to make that jump into the next size business. So it's fascinating. I don't think there's a topic that I wouldn't talk about that I really couldn't see the deeper esoteric meaning uh, behind the topic. So, with that in mind today, I'd like to talk about the topic of money. And because money is energy, and money is what we use to define energy on the earth plane at this time. So, everyone needs it, everyone uses it. There are different forms of it and different forms of currency, and I want to talk about that and also about where that's going. The simplest way to say it is that, the definition of money itself is changing. It's changed multiple times. So you think back when we lived in smaller villages and markets, even if you think back to, say, the Renaissance time with villages, people had to carry their wealth in hand in challenging ways at times. They had heavy coins that they had to carry on them. Um, they might have a little velvet pouch that carried some coins to pay for whatever it is that uh, they needed when they were going into the market. Women' wealth w- was often in their jewelry. And so they wore it, or when they needed to protect it, there were actually folds and linings and pockets sewn into their heavy dresses where they could hide jewelry and tuck it away. Going a little bit closer to modern times, We then have markets where there was a lot of trading. And so livestock, uh, commodities, grains, food, all of those things were traded in a more literal way where the cattle were brought to the market, the hogs were brought to the market, the sacks of grain were brought to the market and traded there publicly, sometimes directly, one thing for another sometimes indirectly for a sum of cash, sometimes bartering. So we continue on this line, coming into more modern times, and we see this still being traded, but in stock market, where we're not trading anymore exactly on the item itself, but what the item will do. Will the cost go up or down? where the futures will raise or not in a sense kind of taking a gamble to see where it will go and older times we took a gamble directly and on our merit and what I mean by that is if you were a farmer and you grew grains you were hoping that it was going to be a good year and you might take out loans to expand your property or to buy equipment or to take care of the people working for you while you waited for this big crop to come in for time to harvest. And if everything went well, it was a great year, you had a great harvest and you made your money, you could pay off all your loans and then you had money to live on till the next year. But it was always a gamble personally because there were things you couldn't control. Uh, The weather, if it was too hot and there was a drought and the crops burned up, not enough water. If there was some type of problem with pests and they ate up your crops. If there was a war or some type of battle and your crops were trampled and destroyed, if there was a fire, so many things could happen. It was a personal risk. Now in more modern times, it's not so much a personal risk as it is when you're investing in stocks, as you're trying to balance and see if an item that you're going to purchase, a stock, is worth the risk, if it's going to go up, or is it, is it going to tumble? And a lot of these items aren't as simple as food or a necessity. They're about a type of business, and uh, if the need is going to be strong for that business or not. And again, there's always risk, right, in investments in the stock market. You don't know what might be popular one day, and then what news comes out or a uh, thing that's found that might send that stock tumbling. It could be news. It could be something the company's doing wrong. It could be another company just comes out of the blue, doing it better, invents something that throws the other one you know, into the water. It could be consumer confidence drops. Something major comes along and sends people in a new direction. And then there's always the disruptors. And that's when you know that you've lost connection with the flow of money. When you get comfortable and you think, well, this is how it's always been and this is how it's always going to be. And so you're comfortable with that investment thinking this this is one that will always go up. And the thing is, nothing in the world is stagnant. Nothing in the world stays still. That's why having any kind of sense of control is really you diluting yourself thinking that you have any real control because we don't the world the universe the global consciousness the mood of humanity is always going to move and sway and the thing that people try to do when they want to invest is to try to be slightly ahead of the market and to guess which one's going to take off and run like wildfire so that they can get in on that quick little gamble there. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you invest. Some of you, maybe you don't invest too much. Maybe you just match your 401k at work and you're hoping for the best. And we're going to talk about that in a minute with 401ks, what's going on there. But you see with most investments and things, it's a gamble. It's always changing. There are the things as well called disruptors and disruptors come out of the blue and some people can see them coming. I've, I would, talk about disruptors a lot with my clients and try to tell them what's coming to disrupt and so where their money might need to shift. For example, many years ago I was talking about online businesses. This was back when the internet just just was beginning. I was very early on the internet because I worked for a college and back in the day Uh, colleges and universities were the only ones who kind of had access to the net where they could share information with each other. And then from there, it started to broaden out more into the public. But I was on in early days uh, when information was being shared just through universities like that. And even back then, I saw where this was going to go. And what I did at that time was I reached out to my clients and said, you're going to want a website on the Internet. And they had no idea what I was talking about. So they were very confused by the concept. Why would they want something on this internet thing? And I know those of you a certain age right now listening can't even fathom that people would have talked that way, but trust me, they did. I had to go and patiently explain and teach to my clients what a website was, what the future of the internet was, and what it would be like. This was in the 90s, and I was carefully explaining and teaching to them. And then AOL came out and AOL kind of helped for them to kind of see, but then they're like, well, no one will really be on their computer looking at this stuff, but the ones that did got it. And I did websites for them very early on in the nineties. So it's always interesting to see the group of people who are the early adopters and get it. And then the, the ones who are kind of in the middle and the ones that come kicking and screaming at the end. And, If you know which one you are, it's time to take a look at that and see if that's where you want to be for what's coming with these big changes for money. So back in the early 2000s, I wanted to start a podcast. And so 2005, I decided to start a podcast called Explore Your Spirit with Kayla Show. And I started reaching out. It was an interview-based podcast and I reached out to a lot of publishers saying I want to interview your writers your authors I want to put them on my show and they would be like what is a podcast so again I was back educating and teaching about a podcast and that one day would be very popular and people would all talk about the podcast they listen to and even the publishers would be confused they would are you a radio show i say, no, I'm a podcast. Go to Apple, look up podcasts. That show grew really big back at the time. I interviewed so many of the world's most renowned authors in all types of metaphysical, spiritual topics. It was amazing. I had that show for seven years until I decided to take a break. Uh, and now I'm back with a new show here where it's me talking about things for change instead of just an interview-based Format like it was before. So, we're going to talk about some new things now that people have heard of, but most people haven't really embraced. I find when I talk money with clients, and again, let me just put a disclaimer here I'm not a financial expert, I'm not a financial analyst, and I'm not giving financial advice. I'm a wisdom teacher and a psychic who talks about a lot of interesting topics with my views on them and what I see in the future but this is not meant to be any type of advice for you to make any financial decision. And I just want to make sure that disclaimer is out here very clearly. But when I talk to clients now, I explain to them that money is changing, just like how I explained that the world was changing when the internet was coming and the world was changing when podcasts were coming. And tried to explain first the internet and then web 2.0, And now I'm going to attempt to explain some about Web 3.0. So the concept of money is changing, and I work with some people who don't think about money a lot as far as their future with it. They have a 401k, and many times they match the amount their employers put in, and that's pretty much where they leave it and thinking they won't touch it again until they're 59 and a half years old, which is when you can can begin to to withdraw it. So the thing about 401k that not everybody understands is just like how I described investments as gambling, hoping that it's going to be um, a good payoff, what you're investing in. You're doing the same with your 401k, and you're hoping at the time when you're ready to retire that the stock market will be up and what you invested in, and it'll be good for you. That's not always the case. Go back and talk to people that were retiring in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, and they'll tell you a different story when stock markets had tanked, when the housing crisis was happening, and how what they had hoped was there for their retirement was not there. If you rely on 401k and that's what you're thinking about for your future, talk to someone, a financial planner, about it. And if you do, make sure it's a fiduciary. A fiduciary, if you want to research that, is someone that has more of your best interests in mind. A financial planner who's not a fiduciary has many things in mind, including commissions on what they receive for selling certain products, where a fiduciary has more of a mission to make sure that they're taking care of your best interests. So right now, If you're a baby boomer generation, you've seen a lot of changes with money. You've seen where the U.S. used to print money according to a gold standard. And that how much gold we had showed the wealth that we had as a country. And there was so much talk about how much gold was kept in Fort Knox and onward where the value of gold affected the currency. And I want to say, I think it was around the time of President Nixon where that was stopped. And our currency was no longer connected with the amount of gold. And currency was just printed under a new method at that time and going forward. So that was the first big jump and change we saw with money. After that change with Nixon, we saw some changes in the banks, where before, people paid a lot with cash, and then they paid with check. And checks were kind of a lengthy process. You wrote a check, the person deposited it in their bank, that bank had to move it over to the other bank, those two banks had to communicate, and it would take time for the check to clear, as it was called, where that money would be deposited in your account. And depending on what bank that check was from, if it was an out-of-town check, or out-of-state check, it would take even longer. The fastest might have been three days, and it could be up to two weeks, sometimes depending on where the check came from. And then around the same time, credit cards really picked up and became a thing that were popular. And by the 80s, you have people really using credit cards, and you have points where credit cards are trying to entice you to use them for payments in order to get points that you could use for travel or other special things like that. Then we moved into a debit card, which was an easy way to pay for anything you needed right there at the point of service. So you're at the grocery store, you swipe your debit card, the money comes right out of your checking account. And this has been probably the way currency has been for the past i'd say 35 years and then we started moving into new ways of handling money and these are the the Venmos and the Zells and PayPal and all of those where there's not a card attached it's all in an app you can use the app and quickly transfer money from you to any company or directly to any person in the world within seconds. So, no longer now we tied to a product in hand. There's not cash in hand. There's not a check written. There's not a credit card in hand or a debit card. Within seconds, money is moved through Venmo or Zelle or PayPal or which way you do it. And process is very quick and easy that has been easing us into the next big change with money as i see it again going from the web to web 2.0 to web 3.0 so with the internet we first had the web where people were going on there and they might find some uh, websites but they were pretty static they might have some photos on them uh, but you couldn't do too much on the website. You could look and you could read and you could learn, but it wasn't quite as easy to communicate with others. Uh, there might be a contact form where you emailed someone, but it wasn't easy to do a lot of things in live time. And so with Web 2.0, we got much more interactive. You've got social media. You have apps on the smartphone. You have ways of integrating and being with people. You have Zoom. You have FaceTime. Ways where you can be live with people now and connect in in a stronger way. Social media, you're having streams of consciousness, discussions in real time with people back and forth. Be that as it may, good or bad. I'm not here to... Uh, To discuss or give an opinion on, you know, how each of those things have gone with social media and the internet. I'm just trying to give a historical timeline for this conversation. And so with Web 3.0, we're going into the metaverse. I don't know uh, how many of you know about the metaverse. And that's a conversation for another time for me to get into that with how you'll have an avatar. And you'll be moving through the Metaverse and perhaps buying real estate on there, going into shops and restaurants and things on there, having experiences with other people in the Metaverse, and it will be its own virtual reality. That's where the web's going for Web 3.0. So money is following that as well into its next incarnation from cash to card to a digital currency and by digital currency i mean things like cryptocurrency bitcoin talking about blockchains how the money is going to move some of you may be new to understanding this type of situation with money and that's why i wanted to talk about it just to get it into your consciousness for you to start thinking about it and hearing about it because this is where the world is heading So let's try to break it down a little bit at a time. Bitcoin is digital cash. It's a currency. And what is interesting about Bitcoin is it doesn't go through a bank or a government. Instead, Bitcoin kind of goes peer-to-peer. It's an internet network. And the purchases are confirmed between the users. So there was a developer who created Bitcoin. And it's revolutionary in a sense that it won't be controlled let's say by a central group or authority it moves all around the world and any peer person that has part of the internet network can help to confirm those purchases between users this is what's known as a cryptocurrency okay so we're going to go deeper with this so a bitcoin is like it's like a file And it's stored in what's called your digital wallet and this can be on your computer or on your smartphone for bitcoin to work it has to be part of a blockchain and a blockchain is open source code which creates kind of a history of the transaction and it puts these transactions together into blocks that are chained together i guess we'll say so that they're not tampered with it's a technology and it creates a record of the transaction When you're buying a digital currency like Bitcoin, you need to have the same understanding as everyone else of what was purchased and who owns what, so that can be tracked. And you can say, this is the currency that I own. And so to do this, you need a Bitcoin wallet. And it has a a public key and a private key. And those keys have to work together to allow you to digitally do a transaction and to digitally, I guess, sign off on a transaction. This is how you're going to transfer, how you're going to sell, buy, and use ownership from your Bitcoin, you know, and to use it somewhere else. How this is kind of handled is called mining. And so when you're on the Bitcoin network, there's a process called mining, which confirms that the transactions are consistent with other uh, transactions that have happened before. And so that's how it's kind of guided so that you don't spend a bitcoin that you don't have or that you can't spend one that you've already spent so you can't just keep using the same one so the bitcoin miners are owners of computers which confirm each transaction and they add a completed block of transactions to the chain and this creates a record of every bitcoin transaction and so the mining process bitcoins are created which you're giving to those people who do that who operate these systems it's kind of a, a, a payment a reward for doing that so they're paid in bitcoin and this is how it stays decentralized because it's people independently all over the world doing this and so it keeps things also kind of fair and uh, honest in that way too because everything needs to be confirmed of each block before that data is then added to the blockchain. So you may have been hearing about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and all of these buzzwords like I'm talking about now, and you're wondering, you know, if you should invest in it. The first thing is it is volatile right now. No one knows exactly how this is going to work, um, especially even more volatile, because the rules aren't really set in stone with, with a, a lot of what's going on with it. So you almost need to think of it as like, part of your portfolio just like your investments some of your investments are riskier than others sometimes you'll be a higher risk trader and you buy some investments that could go south but you're willing to do that for the payoff and some like funds and other low risk investments you know you have in your portfolio as well they don't make as much money but uh, the risk is very low So you have to think about whether or not it's a good investment for you. Some good things about Bitcoin is you can transfer them anytime. Some people are pretty much sure that having this decentralization method where things aren't tied to banks, that they won't be governed the same and their value will be different. So instead of being tied to a certain currency, it's got its own uh, regulations there. So that could be interesting to watch as well. Now, the because of that the price has gone up and down a lot, you know, and and you have to be kind of strong minded if you buy into it to to be able to wait it out like that because uh, there's a lot of volatility in the market with it. And probably the biggest concern is hacking. So, blockchain technology is very secure, but there have been times when Bitcoin money was stolen from some big accounts and just heard about one the other day, I think with Ethereum. So the other thing is, if you lose your wallet, if you lose your key, if you lose anything that's required to make this, there is no backup. There is no go somewhere and say, I've lost my password. Help me get in. If you lose it, it's lost forever and you've lost that money and you've lost any way to, to get a hold of that money or do anything with it. So it's all on you in that way. And so there are different types of wallets you can get where, you know, some people like to hold on, on, on to them just like in hand. It's a more tangible product. Um, and some people will keep part of it online, preferring to, to handle it that way. is what you're comfortable with. So you have to decide. And most of you probably listening today are just learning for the first time about Cryptocurrencies and things, and just wondering about them like this. So, I could discuss things like how to store them, like hot wallets versus cold wallets, but that may just be going too far for today's talk. But I just want you to get used to the consciousness of it. And because this is where money is going. And for the first time the other day, I saw, I think it was Senator Elizabeth Warren talking about perhaps there should be. Um a state a national cryptocurrency or digital currency of some type that is they're first beginning to discuss. So when the government begins to discuss it, that means they know that there's they're following the money trail and that this is where things are going. If that continues with that trend, it will come pretty soon to pass that a digital currency will be created where the government may pay for things in that way. So let's say you're on Social Security. You may, in the not-too-far-off future, no longer get a check or a direct deposit like you're used to, but instead it may be in a, a form of cryptocurrency that you pay things, and it will come through the treasury in a different way like that. You may begin to use cryptocurrency for different things. You may see some of the places that where you're already doing money um, through PayPal or other forms like that where they begin to offer to transfer into cryptocurrency and to pay for things that way. There is a home in Florida currently up for sale and I'm sure there's others around the country that people could tell me about that is being sold uh, where they're accepting payment for the home only in cryptocurrency The catch is to see which one is the best one to invest in. And that's where it's still going. Right now, as the decisions are being made with that, which one's going to be the most popular and which ones to buy into. Now, a lot of them are at a a price value right now where they're pretty expensive to buy into, to buy a coin. But what's happening now is a lot of the places that sell them know that there are other people that want to get into the market and they don't have that kind of investment to pay for a whole coin right now so they will break it up and you can buy a portion of a coin and as that coin goes up your portion goes up and eventually becomes worth more we are heading into this digital type of currency and you're going to see it used more and more in the metaverse because things are tied between the internet and the currencies there If you ask, if you have young children right now and young, let's just say preteen into teenager, you're going to say that they're, they're doing a lot with digital currency already. If they're on TikTok, there's an option where you can buy gifts on there to give to people. And so you're talking to someone and they're doing something and you can give them a rose or you can give them all types of little digital things like that. And so you have to pay for that. You have to put money into your account on there and have a way that it's paid through so that you can give this digital form of your appreciation, which the person then accepts. And that is in uh, a currency that they're able to tap into and receive money for. On the metaverse, this is going to be even more so. And you have other kids that are used to doing this because they're gamers. And when they play games, you've probably heard as parents, them asking you, to have some money on there in their account so that they can buy things. Sometimes it's an upgrade for the game they're playing, uh, for clues. They're getting very used to using a digital currency that uh, is right there and readily accessible to pay for whatever it is they want information, help, basically a digital product or service that they need and want. So, cryptocurrency. Is going to be very easy for them to latch on and how they'll expect to pay. They'll have probably no concept of cash in a very short time, of that even being something that people still have or carry or use. We're going through a big leap right now, and it's a big move into cryptocurrency. The world is changing faster and faster, and the pandemic even speeded that up. With more meetings of virtual reality, more people working from home, uh, more on video uh, and communicating in that way, that has only made things move faster for um, all of this to come into being. And our identities will soon be verified through this in the same way, where there'll be a digital identity as well that you're assigned to. And eventually that will follow you around. You've seen the movies and things talking about this with social media and kind of your social media rating. But there will be a type of credit authorization for you. And eventually it will be tied to your identity wherever you go on the internet um, and tied with how your money is spent, what you do, what you spend it on, uh, where you're at. Eventually all that is going to be tied together. This is where we're moving into the metaverse and onward. Now, what's gonna be interesting about that is what happens with the banks, right? Do banks become obsolete? Is everything just digital in the currency and in the crypto world like this? So how are people making money off their money? It's been a while now since you've made any money keeping your money in the bank because interest rates have been nothing. So you could have a lot of money in savings, and as you've seen, you're not making any money without money sitting in savings. So how will you save money, and how will you work with your money in order for it to make money? Will it change the stock market? Will investments in that way change? We've all seen how the housing market has gone way up in a short amount of time. Those of you that have sold real estate at this time, like I had been telling people to do in the past couple of years, that to get ready and to sell their home during this time, that it was going to be a high seller's market. I'm now telling these same clients that that time has now passed. The window's closing and the market's on its way back down. Now, you may laugh when you hear me say this because the market's super high right now, but that's because nothing... Uh, of this magnitude shifts on a dime so you might hear that it slowed down or cooled down the teeniest of bit so it's hit the top peak so it still looks up in your opinion looking at the market because you're lo- looking at it in real time like today and you're still just coming down the other side of that peak just a little bit so it's still high but as a futurist and as a trend reporter we look at peaks and valleys, so we know that we're back down on the downside now. And what looks to be coming here, probably two and a half to three years, probably uh, a big housing crash where a lot of um, people are going to want to get out of their houses and it's going to be a real buyer's market. What goes up comes down. This moves back and forth, back and forth. So when we look at that, what the housing crisis and then crash, what that will mean for people with money, and then where is money going? Where do you put your money? Where do you invest your money? Are you investing it in crypto? Uh, it's kind of volatile, but it's where things are going. So you may want to invest some in there just so you have at least a little bit of money in there so that you can educate yourself and learn how to use it. So that when it becomes more mainstream, you know what you're doing and kind of have a better idea of where to go. Right now, everything's up in the air with it. I'm in the process of looking at it energetically and getting a feel for it and how it moves and what that decentralization will mean with how we purchase things and how we move that money around. I'm waiting to get a feel of where it's all going to come together. And which ones the best will be. Which is the same thing as what's happening in the metaverse right now. There are different little worlds being built in the metaverse. And no one knows which one yet is going to be the one to really take off. So you have some companies playing around in there. And buying real estate in the metaverse. And yes, you can buy real estate. Digital real estate in the metaverse. And the funny thing is, the prices on that are making more money than even in the high real estate market we're in right now on the Earth plane here. Uh, as much as you're making off your money selling real estate right now, it's even higher right now in the metaverse. Oh my gosh, so much more I could go into about the digital artwork and the other things. So if there's a lot of interest, if you send me a lot of comments about this, and you want to know more about the energy of money and where it's going, I'll try to do more of these and talk about what's happening with the currency of money and where it's going for now i've probably said a lot right just even trying to talk about cryptocurrency and blockchain and explain bitcoin a little bit and i haven't really gotten into the other ones or what or what it can do but it's it is good to have this in your consciousness and to begin to open up to it because it is where the flow of money is heading and it's really going to change the world in so many different ways because Countries have kind of aligned with their money, right, and their economy. But if we're living in a cryptocurrency world, it can be traded anywhere and removes a lot of that. So we become more of kind of a global economy in that sense, trading things around. So there's a lot of things to think about. What's most interesting is time is moving faster now than it ever has. And so what would have taken maybe a generation to adapt into and to make that change is now just taking years, maybe a decade here. But I would say by 2035, we're pretty much operating by cryptocurrency or something else, whatever it may be called, but a digital currency where the idea of having cash in hand is obsolete or change, or coins at all will be something that you collect that was something that existed in the past that no longer does. And the children being born today will have not really any understanding of that, of paper money. So I don't know how the nanas out there will be putting their $20 and their birthday cards for these grandchildren in the future. They're going to have to find a way to get their cryptocurrency to them. We'll see how it goes. But this was a quick little talk about money today and the energy of how it's flowing into something new and where everything's going with the web, the metaverse, the web 3.0. It's coming quick and it's time to follow that flow and so that you're able to align your consciousness with it and start to understand it. As always, don't miss the show. Subscribe where you're listening and sign up for my free newsletter You never know in today's world with outlets where we put podcasts if they're going to stay stable, keep you on, remove you. None of us ever know anymore how that's going. So please sign up for my newsletter on my website, exploreyourspirit.com, because that way we can always be in touch with each other wherever we may go.